listening to Frankie Boy Radio. That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Letting America take a deep breath. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Frankie Boy Radio. I'm your host, Josh Urban. Happy Saturday to you, and well, today is quite a day in history, the 76th anniversary of Operation Overlord, better known as D-Day, June 6th, man. When I was a little boy, I remember talking to an old guy who flew, he was in the Air Force, he was, he flew over I think he was in Normandy. I can't quite remember. I was pretty young and I'm still getting a handle on things. But I remember my father talking with reverence to him, saying, man, you fought in D-Day? And he said, yeah. And he was a, the dad of a family friend. And I got to talking to him. And this was probably my first conversation with a veteran. And I've been lucky enough to have many. And he, he looked at me. I was probably about 10 or 11 and... I was asking him some stories and I was leaning in and he looked at me. He said, you know, just just so you know, there's nothing glamorous about war. This was almost like a, a disclaimer at the beginning of a show, you know, professional driver on a closed circuit track, do not attempt at home. So nothing, he was looking at my bright young face, so intrigued by this story of this great conflict. So there's nothing, nothing glamorous about that. And then he went on and told me some stories in a very uh, responsible way. D-Day. What a thing. I've been poking around and doing some research on it uh, over the years. Just to try to get a, a picture of this whole thing. I mean, there's so many different ways to look at it. And so many different levels that... Some of them might not necessarily be helpful, and some of them, I think, are, are very important. Just to put a, a in scale of, of what this was like, I was watching this YouTube video one time, and the guys were talking about it, and they said, well, you have, you have the ships, and then you had the cliffs, and then you had a beach, and they had to land on the beach, and it's not like you're sneaking up. And on the cliffs, there was the machine guns. And the machine gunners, who obviously were trying as hard as they could to keep these guys from landing on the beach, would train their guns on the, the ramps of these landing crafts. So these picture a, like a, like a the box floating up, right? So the flap of the box that would flop down and you could exit the vehicle that's where they just had their machine gun fire trained. So the ramp would drop and the first two rows would just be dead instantly. So some guys would jump off the side of it and drown because their packs were too heavy. And some guys would make it through. The water would stop the bullets in, in some way. So if it was a matter of a yard. If you were a yard away from the bullet hitting the water, you were okay. If you weren't, well, then you weren't. So this is the, the, the physical aspect of it. We always think of it as from the perspective, or I always think of it as perspective from a young man on board this craft. 
but you get to talk to more people and you get different perspectives. I was talking to one of my friends who's since passed on. She, she passed away was last year. Her name was Theron, Theron Bovenkirk. And she was a nurse in World War II and she did not leave the States. She was stationed in Virginia Beach and they converted a hospital or a, a hotel into a hospital. And they filled them up with soldiers, guys who were fighting in Normandy. She helped a lot of those guys. And you think of the operation. So you had Operation Overlord, that's when they landed and then Operation Market Garden, which is when they were going inward. And they were fighting in pastures, which sounds, well, I don't think idyllic is ever a, a good word for war, but it, a pasture sounds better to it than a trench to me or a jungle, right? Say, oh, you're fighting in pastures, right? Well, there's animals in the pastures, and manure everywhere, right? She said they were so infected and they would come over there and they would give them the newly developed penicillin and she would make around and give them penicillin. And then when the war was over, all these wounded guys were sent home. The hospital just closed. And she said every patient that she cared for, who was, she was still under her care when the hospital closed, died. They sent home, were sent home, and they didn't know how to administer the penicillin, or they didn't have the support, or whatever, and died. And I asked her, well, what was it like when the war was over? She said, well, we tried to get back to normal, but it's pretty empty feeling. That was, she was here. She was lucky enough to tell the story, right? And uh, I was watching a YouTube video today and they were doing an interview with Audie Murphy. He was the most decorated soldier of the war. So, you know, guys seen some stuff. And they said, what was the most memorable day of the war for you? Remember, this is a guy like, you know, just like, in, in, like if you were in an action movie, you would be like, that's not even realistic. And he said the most memorable day of the war for him was he was on a train to get some leave. And he heard they made an announcement that the war was over. See, that was, was a memorable day. And he said, well, how did you feel? And he goes, well, one of the things that he felt, and this was interesting because this was not a touchy-feely interview. He said, one of the things he felt was, a little bit empty and he wasn't sure where his home was anymore because you weren't thinking about home you're living day to day and hour to hour and minute to minute in some cases you didn't dare think about home and now he wasn't sure where it was that's some i talked to some of the current day veterans and they say that's a, a difficult thing for them too is is the transition between the adrenaline filled days of like absolute terror but also hyper focus and mission orientation and then it's done such a weird thing so that's one of the other levels another level is how do you get to a point where you have to assemble the largest armada ever and send thousands of young men to their certain deaths on a beach to be mowed down by thousands of other young men desperately defending what they think is right, what most people would say is wrong. <laughs> but how does this happen? 
you don't really look at that, are you, are we honoring their sacrifice? And that's a whole can of worms right there. And I've never been in the military, so I'm nowhere near qualified to do that. I think the, the thing that I can do is to try to think as much as I can because I know that I would want them to do the same for me if the roles were reversed. I wouldn't want anybody to take it for granted. I wouldn't want anybody to be flip about it. I wouldn't want anybody to, to assume they, they knew it all. How does that happen? I think it happens a lot easier than we would think. <laughs> I had this, this, this rather unfortunate phone call with this woman one time I, while well, I was romantically interested in her and we'd gone out on a date and we liked each other. And then I was talking to her the, the next day on the phone and I was uh, actually fairly hopeful about, about these possibilities. And somehow the psychology of evil came up. <laughs> I learned the hard way. That's, that's not a good, it's not a good phone conversation when you're trying to get to know somebody. But I really think that that we can slide into this a lot easier than we would think. I want to take myself a lot more seriously than thinking, oh, well, this could never happen under my watch. Or I could never help create something as, as horrific as this. I've heard that, and I think I was talking about this in a previous episode, about Jordan Peterson talking about Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the guy who wrote the Gulag Archipelago, talking about how when he was in the prison camp, so his story was that he was he was a soldier for the Soviets in World War II, and he was captured by the Germans, and he was put in a concentration camp, and the Russians were treated terribly in this camp, and then he the Soviets won the war, so he was went home. But instead of being treated as a war hero, he was contaminated by the West, so he's put in a gulag, a work camp, to be worked to death if that came to pass. And he was in there, and he got to thinking, what did I do to get here? Not as in like, oh, why me? But seriously asking, why me? And he went back, and he had a lot of time, so he went back over his life with it. And bit by bit, he figured out how he bought into the system that would create something like this and how all the shortcuts he took would create something like this. And then he wrote the Gulag Archipelago and that some people would argue changed the world, argue very, very effectively that the, which, that changed the world. Recently I had a, a mini version of that experience. I was upset and frustrated about some current events thing and I was falling asleep and I was thinking about well what's my part in in creating this type of world and I felt immediately all the shortcuts and all the corners that I cut you know the laziness of thought that would create this so there's a lot of levels to D-Day those are some of the levels those are some of the very sombering some of the heroic ones, you could say, and I'd, I'll say these guys saved the world. They, they, st 
stormed the beaches, man. That is unbelievable and unbelievably inspiring that, that, could, that people could do that. What a fascinating day, how it can be the absolute worst and the best of humanity all at once. It's a lot to think about. Now, 76 years is not long ago. That's another thing to think about. If you're listening to this and you've had some part in D-Day, thank you for your service. If you're a veteran, thank you for your service. And, uh, well, let me know what you think. Wishing everybody peace today and some good reflection and remembering those young men who went to the beach today. Now, it seems a good time to take some deep breaths. Let's get comfortable and relax. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. And let us begin. Inhale. One, two, three, four. Pause. One, two. Exhale. One, two, three, four. Inhale. One, two, three, four. Pause. One, two. Exhale. One, two, three. Inhale, one, two, three, four. Pause, one, two. Exhale, one, two, three, four. Inhale, one, two, three, four. Pause, one, two. Exhale, one, two, three, four. Last one. Inhale, one, Two, three, four, pause, one, two, exhale, one, two, three, four. Ah, good job, everybody. Well, wishing you a peaceful evening over there, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you, and good night.